This is day two of this September 2022 seven-day session. We'll pick up where we left off yesterday, uh, reading uh, the words of uh, the Sung Dynasty master Foyan. I think uh, it's spelled F-O-Y-A-N, which I think is pronounced Foyan. Uh, we left off yesterday. <clears throat> oh, and this is from the book Instant Zen, um, and translated by Thomas Cleary. We left off yesterday where with this saying, when, uh, when knowledge and principle merge, environment and mind unite. It is like when drinking water, one spontaneously knows whether it is cool or warm. And we said yesterday, this is sort of the hallmark of the Zen school, direct experience. But then he, he goes on, now my teacher thought, it may be cool or warm, all right, but what is this business of spontaneous knowing? He wondered and questioned very deeply. He asked the lecturer about the principle of spontaneous knowing, but the lecturer couldn't answer. Instead, he said, if you want to clarify this principle, I cannot explain it, but in the South, there are adepts who have found out the source of the enlightened mind they know about this matter. You will have to journey for it. Again, the South is a shorthand for talking about the Zen school. So my teacher went traveling. He went to the capital city and all around the eastern riverlands, asking every Zen adept, let's call it teacher, after every Zen teacher he could find about this matter. And everyone he asked gave him a reply. Some explained, some spoke in aphorisms. In any case, his feeling of doubt remained unbroken. So this thing about knowing yourself, whether water is warm or cold and drink it, really bit into him, obviously. There's so many stories of these early masters who had a similar experience with another saying, another uh, occurrence that they had read about that uh, uh, just didn't make sense, but they knew that there was something to it. Of course, the probably most famous, is uh, Joshu's response to the monk when he asked, does even a dog have Buddha nature? And he said, moo. And that has bitten into many of us for centuries. So has, what is this? And who am I? Later, he came to Fushan. <clears throat> this is still Foyen talking about his teacher's <clears throat> journey. 
seeing that everything every, seeing that everything Fushan said in lectures and interviews, all right, let's call it Taisho and Doksan, was relevant to what was in his mind, he wound up staying for a year. Fushan had him work on the phrase Buddha had a secret saying Kashapa didn't conceal it. This is, of course, a reference to the famous <clears throat> incident where uh, the Buddha held up a flower before the assembly of monks and uh, only Kashapa smiled and uh, that told the Buddha that he was to be his successor. Buddha had a secret saying, Kashapa didn't conceal it. <clears throat> <clears throat> One day, Fushan said to uh, this Wuzu, the teacher of the of the of uh, Foyan, "Why didn't you come earlier? You should go call on Bayun Duan." So my teacher went to Bayun. One day, when he went into the teaching auditorium, let's say call it the Buddha Hall, all of a sudden he realized great enlightenment. Buddha has a secret saying, Kashapa didn't conceal it. Of course, of course. When knowledge and principle merge, environment and mind unite, it is like when one drinks water, one spontaneously knows whether it's warm or cool. How true these words are. It's a, it's, many of us are confronted by some kind of contradiction of our own, a natural one, but even before taking a koan, a, a, uh, in dualistic terms, uh, this or that. Uh, is it uh, free will or is it determinism, the old, old philosophical argument? Is it uh, nature or nurture? Here it's phrased in terms of uh, knowledge and principle. Hmm. But more, more clearly, uh, <clears throat> mind and environment. You know how we say in affirming faith in mind, for things are things. Things or environment, same thing. And things are thing, things are things because of mind as mind is mind because of things. Who can separate them? Who can tease them apart? Where does mind, so-called, where does mind end and environment begin? Now, uh, Foyan 
picks up in the next uh, section. He says, consider the case of Grandmaster Ma. Ma, this is, this is the great Ma Tzu. Uh, he's one of the, uh, the very most illustrious of the Tang Dynasty masters, said to have had uh, 139 enlightened disciples. Seeing a monk going downstairs, the master called to him, O worthy, is this a conventional way of addressing a monk, O worthy. When the monk turned his head, the master said, From birth to death, it's just this person. Why turn your head and revolve your brains? That monk understood the essential message at these words. From birth to death, it's just this one. Why turn your head and revolve your brains? Why do anything? Foyen continues, what is the logic of this? From birth to death, it's just this one. Tell me, what person is it? As soon as you arouse the intention to see this person, then you do not see this person. This person, in quotation marks, or let's say this one, this one is hard to see, very, very hard. People today simply say, this is this one. Who else is there? There couldn't be any other. Ninety-nine out of a hundred understand in this way. What grasp have they? If you interpret in this way, how can you understand the matter of from birth to death? And how can you immediately see it as just this one? In the uh, Mumon Khan, uh, there's a short koan um, where the master says, Shaka and Miroku, that's uh, Shakyamuni and uh, Maitreya, the Buddha. So the, the, bur- wor- the Buddha of this world cycle and the Buddha of the next world cycle. Shaka and Miroku are servants of another. Who is this other? Who is this one?
He goes on, if you have just now understood, where is that which you couldn't understand before? If you can't understand now, when will you understand? Just examine over and over in this way, and you should come to understand. That is why it is said, what you misunderstood before is what you now understand. What you now understand is what you misunderstood before. It is also said, when light comes, darkness vanishes. When knowledge comes into play, confusion is forgotten. Now this, he's quoting a, I think he's quoting a popular saying, not a, not a Zen saying. When, when light comes, darkness vanishes. When knowledge comes into play, confusion is forgotten. And he says, but can it actually be so? How can it be so? That would mean there is darkness to be destroyed and there is confusion to be removed. Have you not read the ancient saying, don't change the former person, just change the former behavior? Yeah, well, what, what person is there apart from the behavior? Thoughts, ideas, memories, associations, images. Zen is so, so utterly practical. If, if our behavior is to dwell in our thoughts, that's going to be one outcome. If our behavior is to not dwell in our thoughts and feelings and emotions, but to be fully present and responsive, that's going to be another outcome. There's no person to change. That's the problem with this, with this idea. Don't, when he says don't change the former person, it... It, it, it presupposes that there's a self in here that needs to be changed. Same thing with this uh, light and darkness. So that's why he says uh, that the, it would be a mistake to think that there's, there's a darkness to be destroyed, some thing called darkness, some static state called darkness, and the same with confusion, that there's some something that has to be removed. You Zen followers say, what is the difficulty? Misunderstanding is just this person, and understanding is just this person. There can be no other. But then when asked what this person is, you are helpless, or else you talk at random. 
This is because of not having attained truly genuine realization. This is a disease that has entered your bones and marrow. Zen master once said, just get rid of this small mind called self. There's nothing that can hinder you. Get rid of the concept of self. And, and, and by the way, we don't need to get rid of it, really, strictly speaking. We just have to stop feeding it. Stop feeding the self with thoughts about it. Thoughts of I, me, and my. And then what was never there in the first place will not be a problem. The so-called self. One of the most uh, <clears throat> most often quoted passages by the Japanese Zen master Dogen is, to learn the Buddhist way is to learn about oneself. To learn about oneself is to forget oneself. To forget oneself is to perceive oneself as all things. To realize this is to cast off the body and mind of self and others. When you have reached this stage, you will be detached even from enlightenment, but will practice it continually without thinking about it. This word self is such a it's right at the right at the core of almost everything that people say and do in in zen practice uh, we we want to keep bringing our attention back to that which is no self, which can be a koan, it can be a bre- the breath practice, it can be shikantaza. Again, to, to avoid feeding this small self. What's, what's so fascinating is that in doing that, in just returning our attention to the practice that is no self, we come to see things about ourself. We uncover 
things about our character and personality. Anyone who's done even half a sashin knows this. We don't have to sit and intentionally think about our personality and character. We just have to take our mind off it and it it is revealed. Once revealed, we don't want to hold on to that. But it is there. It does come up. We see things and we tend to see often the same things over and over again. The same ways that each one of us individually tends to hold on instead of letting go. Our particular insecurities, our afflictions, our fears, our anxieties, our pride. This is, this is a big part of the pain of Sashin. It's not just the legs, the body. It's the pain of seeing these features of ourself that we somehow manage to remain in the dark about most of the time because we're so busy in our regular lives. And then we come in in this silence and there's nowhere to run. It's a terrible mistake, though, when we see something like that uh, to linger there. It's it's enough to, to see it. And then back to the practice. People can waste days of a sashin just gawking at something about themselves, uh, usually something painful. One of the most common uh, in early years of practice is to see how one just reflexively uh, judges others. When we're not doing all this sitting, this stays underneath our, our consciousness. But when we are in this very stripped-down environment, uh, it just is right in our face how, how habitually we pass these little judgments on uh, onto people around us. And then... Having seen that, that's a big revelation for many of us. But then to realize that we're doing the same to ourselves, we're judging ourselves all the time. Such a waste of time. We do have a choice. We don't have to do that as, as, as habitual as it is. Uh, we can we develop the awareness, the mindfulness to notice it, notice it, and return our attention to the practice. It 
He goes on, people in error attach recognition to a lifetime of cessation. Indeed, they stop not only for one lifetime, but for a thousand lifetimes, myriad lifetimes. As for the spiritually sharp, they should know how to experientially investigate who this person is, directly seeking an insight. I don't actually know quite what the translator had in mind here. Uh, indeed, they stop not only for one lifetime, but for a thousand lifetimes. Uh, the the connotation is that it's something undesirable. One gets stuck for a thousand lifetimes by dwelling in thoughts. He goes on, before I had understood, of course he means before I came to awakening, I was totally helpless, so I asked of my teacher. As soon as I'd ask a question, my teacher would just say, I don't understand, I don't know, I'm not as good as you. I think that was one of his early, his first teacher, who maybe wasn't, wasn't practicing Zen, not a Zen teacher. I also asked if Zen is ultimately easy to learn or hard to learn. He just told me, you're all right. Why are you asking about difficulty and ease? Learning Zen is called a gold and dung phenomenon. Before you understand it, it's like gold. When understood, it's like dung. It's, it's, what most, it's the opposite of what most people would think. It's, it's, it's counterintuitive. Before you understand it, it's oh, so special. Oh, if only. When understood, it's the simplest, most down-to-earth thing. I didn't accept this at the time, but now that I've thought it over, although the words are coarse, the message in them is not shallow. Notice he says not shallow rather than deep. And this, uh, as I said in my recent Taisho at Arnold Park, it's, it's this appreciation in, in, in Zen of the negative and it's also the Chinese of indirect style. The message in them is not shallow. When you look closely, you see that people of the present are none other than people of yore, 
and the functions of the present are none other than the functions of the past. Even going through a thousand changes and myriad transformations, here it is just necessary for you to recognize it firsthand before you can attain it. People of the present are none other than people of the past. Human nature. The more we read about the people of ancient China and Japan, Korea, the more we work our way through koans, the more we realize that people are people, that the, some, some details are different now from ancient China, but essentially we're all facing the same things, the same things related to self and other pain, joy, regret, love, continues, Whew! Buddhism today is lackluster. Even in large groups, it's hard to find suitable people. As long as you people are here, following the path in this school, you should not waste the 24 hours of the day. Focus on attaining insight. Realization. You people are still not far off. See, first he says, it's hard to find any, any, anyone of any real ability. Then he says, but you're not far off. Have you not read how Master Lin Chi said, there is a true person of no rank in the naked mass of flesh, always going out and coming in the doors of your senses. Those who haven't witnessed it, look. as he's talking about our true self. No rank would have been a big point in the very hierarchical uh, society of, of China. No rank at all. And at that time, a monk came forward and asked, what is the true person of no rank? Lin Shi got out of his chair, grabbed the student and said, speak, speak. The monk hesitated, 
trying to think of something, so Lin Chi pushed him away. What is this true self? This true person, capital P. It's just the same as what is Mu. Who am I? What is it? Whatever we think it is, can't be it. But then what is it? As uh, Foyen said yesterday, it, it isn't to be found in thought. Here I only require you to study the path. Uh, I just I can never get used to that word study in reference to practice. It just sounds too much like book learning to me. How about this one? Here I only require you to walk the path. Your first priority 24 hours a day should be to get rid of egotism toward others. Why? Egotism toward others is the business of mediocrities. Egotism toward others. Even in the very restricted environment of Sashin, there are little ways that we can be, if not egotistical, uh, thoughtless toward others. Um, Being noisy or careless in the bedrooms, Hoarding cushions, you're not using them very often. I'm not, I have, this, these are just sort of ideas. I don't think anyone here, I don't know of anyone doing these things. This machine, always leaving dividers for others to manage. Doing things uh, during the work period where you're not doing your share finding little ways to cut corners or uh, 
cheat. Fill in the blank. The further we go in practice, the more painful it is to be egotistical toward others. We still may do it, but it's harder to accept it. It's it's embarrassing. Why are we doing this? to another passage here. People on the path clearly know there is such a thing. I would say what he means is awakening. Why do they fail to get the message and go on doubting? It is because their faith is not complete enough and their doubt is not deep enough. Only with depth and completeness, be it faith or doubt, is it really Zen. If you are incapable of introspection like this, you will eventually get lost in confusion and lose the thread, wearing out and stumbling halfway along the road. But if you can look into yourself, or I would say see yourself, There is no one else. This is what the Buddha meant when he said, above the heavens and below the heavens, I alone, the world-honored one. No other, standing apart. It is because their faith is not complete enough and their doubt is not deep enough. Well, it's two sides of one coin. Uh, if, we, if we have, to, uh, to whatever measure we have faith in this essential true self that is no self, uh, we will be beset with questioning as to how, why it is we still act the way we do and think the way we do. Lynchy also said, Lynchy's Rinzai also said, What ails you? Lack of faith in yourself is what ails you. Lack of faith that you have anything, lack, lack of faith that you're absolutely equal in every way to everyone else. Lack of faith that. Every one of us is endowed with this pure, luminous nature, without exception. I know what some of you are thinking. 
Uh, yeah, 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 we've heard that. Yeah, I, I get that. No, you don't get it. Because stum- somewhere in the mind you still harbor skepticism. You're not so sure that you have this enlightened nature. You still think there's some, something out there that you have to get to. You still don't have complete faith that it is your nature. You lack nothing. And then I can hear some people saying, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know what you mean. I've got, I've learned that. I've heard that so many times. Okay, but then what do you do about it? To develop that faith. Well, you came to the right place. This is where we deepen, develop, refine our faith. Every time we return our attention to the practice we're working on, we are developing our faith, strengthening our faith, as, even as it is confirmation of our faith. We wouldn't be returning our attention to the practice if we didn't have this faith. We just go on lingering in our thoughts, chewing on them forever if we didn't have faith that there's something beyond this mind of thoughts. As uh, another Zen teacher, I think uh, Suzuki Roshi said, it is wisdom that is seeking wisdom. Goes on the path of Buddhahood, just means enlightenment, of course. The path of enlightenment is eternal. Only after long endurance of hard work can it then be realized. He's speaking about full enlightenment. It is continuous throughout past, present, and future. The ordinary and the holy are one suchness. This is why it is said that the path of enlightenment is eternal. If you do not produce differing views, like opinions, you never leave it. This is the point of long endurance of hard work. Ultimately, there is no separate reality. Thus it is said that it can then be realized. This is a matter for strong people. People who do not discern what is being asked give replies depending on what comes up. They do not know it is something you ask yourself. To whom would you answer? 
When people do not understand an answer, they produce views based on words. They don't know it is something you answer for yourself. What truth have you found and where does it lead? Therefore it is said, it's all you. Look, look. Look not outside yourself. You have it all. You know it all. You just have to uncover it. See it. We'll stop and recite the four vows.